Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby joined by Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are getting you ready for the week ahead as the Browns will travel to Miami to play the Dolphins. A very important game off a week when really, I mean, let's just start here before we get into the three things. Uh, I actually just thought about this. Nothing really went the Browns way this weekend, Mary Kay, after the Ravens won that Monday night game against New Orleans and they looked really good uh, in that game. That defense looked really good. Lamar is somehow doing this with like nobody to throw the football to. And just nothing went this team's way. Cincinnati won. Baltimore won. A lot of the wild card teams won. You know, like Buffalo lost. That means the Jets won. They're a team that's ahead of the Browns. Just kind of a tough bye week for this team. Yeah, it really was. It landed the Browns down at the 11th seed right now in the AFC. Uh, and of course, the top seven teams make it, including three wildcard teams. So they're down hovering around number 11 right now. They've got quite a climb to make. As you mentioned, uh, these teams like, you know, the Jets and now the Dolphins winning three straight. Uh, some of these teams have really come on strong. And, you know, the Titans, I mean, my goodness. So uh, these teams have really uh, given the Browns uh, a tough road, a tough path just to try to get a wild card spot. It looks to me now like the Ravens have the potential to run away with the division because of their strength of schedule. They're already at six victories and they're playing a lot of losing teams coming up. They seem to be heating up. They've got Justin Houston, who's just kind of on fire right now. They traded for Roquan Smith. I mean, it seems to be coming together for them a little bit, uh, especially defensively even though they don't have Rashard Bateman for the rest of the season and Mark Andrews is out right now. Um, So it's certainly not going to be easy for the Cleveland Browns at all. But one thing might go in their favor over the next couple of weeks, and that is Josh Allen. If Josh Allen is out for any length of time, if he misses a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it's going to be, he might not face the Browns on November 20th. So when they travel up to Buffalo – They might not see Josh Allen. They might see their old friend Case Keenum instead. So, you know, now Case knows the Browns and he's a good backup quarterback, but he's not Josh Allen. I still think it's not going to be an easy out. They've got an excellent defense and they're going to be really determined to hold it together while Josh is out if he's out. Um, But still, it's not. It's just not Josh Allen. 
So that is one thing that could go in their favor, and it makes that game more winnable. Uh, and I think they really need to try to grab two out of the next three. And then we're talking about uh, in Miami, in Buffalo, and then at home against the Bucks. Wait a minute. Do I have that right? Yes. Yes, I have that right. Okay. So, um, you know, and the Bucks are beatable too. So there is a chance they could get those two victories and hand five over to Deshaun on the silver platter. So all is not lost if they can grab at least one or two more victories out of these three. Ashley, when you look at the Ravens, it's such a strange season. They've now won four out of their last five. Uh, They've won three in a row. They get into their bye week at six and three overall. They've held a double-digit lead in every single game this season. So for for as much as we like to sit and talk about, well, you know, the Browns could be six and two or whatever, the Ravens, (laughs) in in some world, the Ravens are nine and oh. Right. They're, they are, and in each of those three games that they lost in the first six of the season, like you said, Dan, they still had a double-digit lead, and then various collapses kind of uh, ensued for them. But, you know, I was listening to the Ham K-Pod for yesterday, which I did appreciate my shout-out about my potential Vegas <laughs> trip. I did call for recommendations on my Twitter um, for our listeners, but... Uh, What Mary Kay said then about how, you know, things can change, obviously, really quickly in this league, right? Like if there's an injury or like especially to a guy like Lamar Jackson, for example, and we're seeing that maybe, you know, the possibility of that play out with the Bills right now and how good they've been and now what's going to happen with Josh Allen. But um, I think barring that, this schedule, it's like, where do you find a scenario? Like, where are you giving them all these losses that they're not going to get to at least 10 wins? Like barring some kind of big time injury or multiple injuries that just kind of derail them. So in that way, like I kind of feel like they're in the driver's seat. And, you know, on Monday when we were in the media room and Mary Kay was kind of going through all the the results and how they impacted the Browns, it's like it almost to me feels a lot very similar to last year where it's like as, as odd as this season has been, their best chance of getting into the postseason might is is winning the division likely it's not going to be the wild card because so much went wrong for them especially this week and you know again this all anything can happen in this league we're talking about a bills team that that just lost they looked unbeatable and then they lose to the jets so uh that that ravens schedule is very very favorable to them you know coming out of their bye week versus carolina at jacksonville which is not a gimme uh, versus Denver at Pittsburgh at the Browns and then the Falcons, Steelers and Bengals uh, to wrap it up. It's favorable, but again, in this league, anything can happen. So uh, we'll see. All right. So let's put on our Kevin Stefanski hats and let's just focus on the week at hand. And that is the trip to Miami on Sunday to play the Dolphins. Let's get everybody started with this week ahead. Ashley, what are you thinking heading into this game? I'm really thinking about Tua Tagovailoa and how he has been playing some really nice football lately. Um, He currently leads the league with a 115.9 rating, um, almost 2,000 passing yards. And then this week against the Bears, 21 of 30 on his passing, 302 yards for three touchdowns. Um, And he's just really nice. I think he doesn't have the biggest arm in the league, right? But he is really great at getting the ball to Tyreek Hill, at getting the ball to Jalen Waddle. I mean, I think every time you watch them, you see how important that Tyreek Hill acquisition was for them this offseason. Um, and he plays really nicely with those guys and just seems like he's in a really great rhythm um, after going through all the concussion stuff earlier in the year. And 
I mean, I think it's worth noting they've won every game he started with the exception of that Bengals game where he left with, you know, his second, that was the second concussion, right, Dan, that he had to yeah, leave the game yeah. and missed, you know, extended time. But he, he has been playing some nice football this year, and I think the Browns definitely have a challenge, and especially with making him uncomfortable. He's only been sacked eight times this year. He's only thrown three interceptions. So I do think he's going to pose a really tough test. Mary Kay, this is sort of like what the Dolphins are doing. This almost teams try to do this all the time. They have a young quarterback. They're trying to figure out what that guy can do. Is he the guy? And they surround him with just a bunch of talent. And of course, when a guy's on a rookie contract like Tua is in year three, uh, you know they go out, they get aggressive, they trade for Tyree Kill, they they had Jalen Waddle, you know they bring in some running backs from San Francisco who know that system really well. It, it just they, they've really supported him well. And we're going to talk about a, a little more about the receivers in the secondary matchup here in a, in a second. But, you know, if this is sort of to his, to his opportunity to show he has it. And there's a lot of good numbers out there that point to him playing really well this year. I don't know if he's the guy there long term, but he's certainly taken his game up a level. He really has. And as you mentioned, we will be talking uh, a little bit more about the matchups between uh, the Browns secondary and those receivers. But when you supply a quarterback with receivers like that, and you have not only one of them, you know, they've got like two Amari Coopers, you know, I mean, they've got two Stefan Diggs. I mean, when you have Tyreek Hill, arguably the best receiver in the NFL this year, right? I mean, on pace for over 2000 yards and the speed that he has and pair him with Jalen Waddle, that is a lethal combination for Tua. And he's taking full advantage of it. It's so much easier to look really good as a quarterback when you have guys like that making amazing, tremendous catches for you. I remember even just watching um, the Bucks game the other night, and uh, and Tom Brady was trying to pull that game out. And, you know, he, there were a couple of drops there on that final drive, and I'm thinking, you know, it just makes a difference when you have just amazing, amazing receivers that can get the job done. And then you add the speed in. And they are number two overall in offense and passing game right now. Uh, And it's just, you know, a lot of it has to do with that trio right there. You know, Tua and Tyreek and and Jalen Waddle. And it's just been dynamite. And the Browns are really going to have to be on point. And they're going to have to hope that, uh, you know, that they can kind of contain those guys a little bit. And it's it's just not going to be easy. Okay, I have to ask this because I think this is a relevant question for everyone this week. And I know we have one lefty on this podcast. Is anyone else just thrown off at least for at first when you sit down and watch two and it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. There aren't many left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL anymore. And it just, it takes me like, I don't know, a series or two to be like, Oh, there we go. All right. I'm, I'm sort of back on track here. I got it figured out. Mary Kay, is that disrespectful to left-handers? <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, it is, it's like he's a unicorn with that. I mean, it is very odd, and it does look a little bit weird. Um, and, yeah, it, it kind of – I think it throws everybody off. And, you know, who could speak to that better than Jed Wills, right? Uh, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, this is the reminder why Jed Wills had to switch over to the other side of the line once he got <laughs> yeah. uh, to the NFL. Yeah, blocked for the blind side, but it was the other blind side. So, yes, it's it's weird. It's bizarre. Uh, and, you know, it might impact, you know, even how the 
how the Browns decide to line up and, and do things to a certain extent. So yeah, it, it does jar you a bit. Actually, I do wonder, Ashley, if like, you know, do they line Miles Garrett up on the other side more? I, I know he's lined up on both sides. I was sides. thinking about that, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, do I think attack they should. his blind side? I don't know. I think they should. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think they have to maybe delve into, obviously more than we have here on this podcast, like how opposing teams have tried to make him uncomfortable. But like I said, I mean, teams just really haven't done a super good job of that overall this year against him. Like he has kind of held his own in that way. So, I mean, I think, Look, like I think they should be moving Miles Garrett around more than they are, regardless, right? That might help some of these double teams and chipping that he's getting. Like we talked about that one, um, which game was that where Alex Wright was on there to like the last minute and then came off and they brought Miles back on. Um, more tricky stuff like that. Like you have to do something. You can't just leave, you know, your all pro edge rusher to continuously get double teamed and shipped without trying to counter that. So I would like to see some more creativity from Joe Woods in that way anyway. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's continue the Miles Garrett discussion then, Mary Kay. What uh, what did you have for us? Well, it's funny you should ask, Dan, <laughs> because it is what's on my mind heading into this week is Miles Garrett. Um, I was working on our, our newsletter this morning for our subscribers. And one of the things that I threw in there was just the fact that Miles Garrett has really heated up over the last three games. He's got four and a half sacks, a forced fumble. And in the previous three games, he only had one sack. So he's kind of hitting his stride in November when you really need to be playing your best football. And if he keeps on this trajectory, uh, that's going to help keep them relevant and keep them in the conversation for the playoffs. You want your best players to be dominant at the right time. And also, if Miles Garrett seeks uh, that NFL Defensive Player of the Year award, it's still within reach. He's sixth in the NFL right now with um, seven and a half sacks. But that is only one sack behind um, three guys that are tied for second at eight and a half. And then um, then you've got Matthew Judon, who's kind of uh, broken away from the pack a little bit. He's got 11 and a half. But if Miles keeps up like this, uh, he can be firmly in that conversation for, uh, you know, as long as he really wants to. And I think a big part of what's going on with Miles this season is, uh, you know, I just think that he, you know, feels very responsible for flipping that car, missing the Falcons game, which they should have and could have won if he had played that game. And, um, you know, and then it took him a while to, to be himself. And I feel like he's leaving it all out there, trying to strap the team on his back. And look what he did to Joe Burrow. I mean, he was just a part of just a dominant, dominant defensive performance. And I think if he can have that same kind of an impact on Tua, the Browns can win this game. Yeah. So, Ashley, it just seems like Miles is healthy now. You know, I know he admitted last week that maybe he came back a little early. Um, it, it, he just looks better. You know, he just looks yeah. like a guy. And 
obviously, again, I have no idea what the Bengals are doing with this guy, just leaving Jonah Williams on an island with it. Whatever, he'll take it. Miles gets doubled and tripled every single week and hit and chipped. and It's a mess for him. So he'll take those one-on-one matchups when he can get them. But it's also important because I think there's times, I'm thinking about the Baltimore game especially, there were times when he just wasn't on the field and this team just really struggles to generate pass rush without him. Yeah, and I mean, we've kind of seen, you know, the Browns have been forced to rely on two rookies a lot, right? And Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas. And Alex Wright hasn't been super good about creating pressure and getting to quarterbacks. I'd I'd argue Isaiah Thomas has been better at it, but he just hasn't played a lot of snaps. He's played like 94 snaps or something like that. So if you filter, you know, do like the PFF minimum snap counts and try to look at his league-wide numbers, he doesn't even come up. Like he just misses the cutoff. Um, But I do think he's been okay at that. He hasn't played a ton. Alex Wright, that's not his strength, I don't think, right now. Um, so you do lose certainly that element between those two and then Jadavian Clowney, you know, being on and off the field and not really being himself compared to last season. So uh, it, it does add a totally new element. And I think you've kind of seen Miles take these steps these last few games, like the Patriots game we saw, he was kind of like slower to get up a handful of times, right? And that kind of he nipped that in the bud in Baltimore. I think I asked him about that at one of his Friday press conferences. And he's like, it's a pride thing, right? Like he doesn't want that to be the perception of him that he's a guy laying on the ground and kind of taking his time. And then I think in Cincinnati, you kind of saw him off the leash a little bit more, so to speak, to kind of borrow a term from a former Cleveland Brown. Um, But I do think a lot of it had to do with that accident. And, And like he said, kind of taking his time to get back and get healthy now. And, you know, I think you just see a night and day difference in terms of getting after a quarterback and creating those pressures when he's out there. Mary Kay, can he still win that award? What, what do you think it takes for him to to pass up, you know, like a Micah Parsons or you know, off the top of my head, I don't even know who the front runners would be, but um, I, I think Parsons is probably your, your front runner right now. What would it take for him to put himself in that conversation? Well, you know, sacks are always flashy uh, when it comes to NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So he needs to keep adding to the sack totals if he wants to remain in consideration for the award. But I also think it's, uh, you know, the big plays, it's the strips. You got to be getting those strips. You got to get to the quarterback and you got to get the ball out. You have to change the game. That's what gets you NFL defensive player of the year. You have to jump off the page. You have to be a major reason why your team wins the football game. And I just have a feeling he's got that in him the rest of the way. I see just a determination in him. Remember at the beginning of the season, Chris Kiffin and those guys were telling us how locked in Miles Garrett is. Well, I think he is that locked in and dialed in. And I think that, you know, you're going to see more of that down the stretch. He knows that's what the team needs from him and he's willing to provide it. And I actually, like I said before, I think the car flip was even more of an impetus for him to produce. And I, I just think that he's going to be lights out in the second half. Okay, what I'm thinking about is 40 times, all right? Tyree Kill, 429. Jalen Waddle, 437. Denzel Ward, 432. Greg Newsome, 438. There are a lot of fast guys who are going to be on that field on Sunday. Denzel Ward, working his way back, was on the practice field Monday, uh, most likely coming out of that concussion protocol this week. So it looks like he's going to play. And Mary Kay... The Browns need as much speed as they can get, and those two guys are about as fast as you get in the secondary. 
Yeah, they they really are. And, um, you know, the thing that we don't know yet is, will Denzel Ward be back to full speed? Will he be 100% if he plays in this game? Uh, because as of right now, as of yesterday, he had only been cleared to practice. He was not fully cleared from, from the concussion protocol. So that means he hasn't been able to, you know, sprint full speed and do all those kinds of things that you need to do uh, to play at the level that you're used to playing at. So uh, he might need to ramp up a little bit. And certainly it's going to be hard to try to ramp up against guys that run four twos. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, he'll be able to test himself against the speed of Anthony Schwartz on the scout team this week in practice. You know, that will give him an opportunity, give them an opportunity, uh, you know, to get their feet wet with the speed and make sure that they're as fast as they need to be. But certainly, Greg, we've seen Greg uh, run guys down from behind. We have seen Greg catch up from the other side of the field. We have seen him turn on the Jets and use his speed to make a play. And I think he will come in very, very handy on Sunday. Here's another one. Greedy Williams. I didn't realize his was this fast. He ran a 4.37. That's, that's fast for a guy who nice. measured six foot two. So, yeah. Um, actually, when I think about, like, as good as Martin Emerson has been, may, you know, he'll he'll certainly get his opportunities. This this might be a bad matchup for him. I, I don't know. Maybe he can get his hands be. on these guys and slow them down. Yeah, and it's, I mean, his length is obviously, I think, his biggest strength, his arm length, but you do worry about that speed a little bit. That's why I think we're so surprised about Greedy, right? Because you don't think of guys who have that size as being that fast. But, you know, I said on Monday on our Berea Report video, like, I do kind of worry if this is Denzel Ward's first game back because it's a really tough assignment. Um, I also worry about a guy like Grant Delpit, who when we when Grant has had problems this year, I think we all kind of see it when he goes to tackle, he doesn't really use his arms. He doesn't wrap guys up. And this is like the prime example of two receivers who they get out in space and it can be a nightmare very quickly for a defense. So I think it, it really is kind of a test to see if these problems have been fixed. I do think, like I said, with Denzel Ward, it's a tough assignment. Martin Emerson has played really well. He's one of the top rookie cornerbacks in the league. If you look at the advanced stats on PFF, he's played really well. But this is, I think, it, like you said, Dan, it might be a not-so-good matchup for him, and they might kind of have to rely on on the usual names that we're used to hearing or that we thought we would be hearing more of. And, yeah, Greg Newsom is a – prime example I keep thinking about that Austin Eckler run against the Chargers where it looked like he was going to have a touchdown and next gen, next gen stats had Greg going like over 20 miles an hour to catch him I mean it was crazy the joke was he would have gotten pulled over in a school zone so um, I, I do think he's a guy who's really going to have to step up in this game and the second half of the season you know like we're still waiting for him to get his first career interception which I know he was jonesing for at the end of last year even Mary Kay, this feels like we'll come away from this game either saying, all right, yeah, this defense is fixed, everything's good, or uh-oh, maybe not. I feel like this game is, is going to answer a lot of questions. Yeah, and I, again, I think uh, you know a lot of it is going to start up front, not only with Miles, but with Jadavian. I mean, if they can get Tua off of his mark and disrupt him in the same way they kind of did with Joe Burrow, then it really neutralizes their connection with those very dangerous receivers. And when you have Miles and Jadavian coming at you, uh, you know, almost anything can happen defensively. And those guys don't need to be fixed. 
They just need to be out there. And I think they're both feeling a lot better. Jadavian, a little bit, uh, you know, significantly probably better with his mid ankle sprain. Miles coming back from, uh, you know, from the shoulder and the bicep. I think he's feeling a lot better. Um, so those two guys, I think, will really be helping out the back end tremendously in that game, in this game. And that's exactly what those guys need on the back end. They need Tua to be off, and it's going to be up to, um, those guys, and then some of the rotational guys that we've talked about, like Isaiah and maybe even Chase Winovich this week. You never know. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be a key. Okay, there we go, getting you ready for Dolphins Week. Uh, the Browns kicking off their preparations here on Wednesday as they will travel to Miami uh, to play at Hard Rock Stadium. It's still called Hard Rock Stadium. It's, like, it? the, it's 2022, and Hard Rock is still out here throwing around money to sponsor stadium naming rights. Good for them, I guess. All right, so Browns at Dolphins, uh, of course, we'll all be there to cover that game and getting you ready here on a Wednesday. And just make sure that you're subscribed to the Orange Brown Talk podcast because we'll have our usual preview pod, all that stuff coming your way, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay and Ashley, I would like to both of you later. <laughs>